Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, your weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hotchberg, and this is episode number 451. You know, this week we're going to revisit the top five Royal Caribbean restaurants that I just can't get enough of. Here we go. I've done a lot of countdown episodes here on the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, and I thought it might make sense to revisit an episode we've done which was episode 345, in which I counted down the top five restaurants. This was done during the pandemic, I'm pretty sure. So during the cruise line shutdown. And a lot has changed. There's been a couple new cruise ships that have come online. And I really thought to myself, top five restaurants. Now, first of all, I didn't actually listen to this episode before I started coming up with my list because I didn't want to pigeonhole myself into a list that I've already had. I really wanted to come at this from a new angle. And also, as I'm looking at the title, I was also thinking, well, did I, was it specialty or not? And that's another question. So I really try to come up with, okay, what are five restaurants that I would absolutely go to every single time? Now, initially, I started with specialty restaurants, and I started thinking about this more and more, and I'm like, no, let's make this five restaurants I would go to, whether it is complimentary or specialty, what are the five restaurants that if I'm on a cruise ship and this is an option, I go to every single time for whatever reason. And so I have my list of five. I actually have six. There's an honorable mention. And I'm going to start with the honorable mention first because it's not on a cruise ship, but I do go here every single time. And I almost book the Cocoa Beach Club specifically for this reason. And that is the restaurant at the Cocoa Beach Club. Ever since Royal Caribbean added the restaurant in the Cocoa Beach Club area, You know, a lot of people talk about the floating cabanas, the infinity pool, all the wonderful, beautiful scenery you have there. But for me, I I think I really go back every single time purely for the food. The Cocoa Beach Club restaurant is, in my opinion, the is the best steak anywhere that Royal Caribbean produces. It's appetizers. The hummus is the best anywhere I found on Royal Caribbean and it rivals a lot of the hummus I found on land and land based restaurants. It's that good. I just think it is a solid menu. It is so good. It's a shame that you can only get the food on the island and you can't get it when you go to back on board the ship. You know, it's it's one of those things that I just wish I I, I, just, I wish I had more of. And I can't get enough of. So the Coco Beach Club restaurant. And if you're wondering, Matt, is it worth paying the the money for to go to the Coco Beach Club? I think you're probably asking me, is it worth it? You know, from the the beach day, right? Is it worth it to for what you get there? But for me, the restaurant is a major factor. As I mentioned, it's the best steak, the best filet mignon I've had at any of the restaurants, including the ones we'll talk about in this week's episode. But I, I, I got to go with the Cocoa Beach Club restaurant. It's that darn good. All right. Now, in this, I don't know that I ha- I'm not putting them in order. I kind of decided I'm not doing one to five ranked, like number one, number five. These are just five restaurants that I can't get enough of. Number one or five, where are we going to look at it? 150 Central Park. If I was going to list, though, one restaurant at the bottom of the top five, it'd probably be this one. That's still good. It's just, you know, of the five, these are the, the lowest one. Uh, I love 150 Central Park. Um, it is, if, if you take out the Cocoa Beach Club restaurant, this has the best steak on board a Royal Caribbean cruise ship, the beef tenderloin for two, the fried cheesecake, the appetizers. I, I mean, this is quickly became a restaurant that I went never going to, to every time I love to go here. When I was on wonder this season, I actually ate at 150 Central Park, like, I don't know, three or four times for a couple of different reasons, but it doesn't matter. I really enjoyed it and it was worthwhile going there. You know, it's not the biggest menu in the world, and obviously, if there isn't something that appeals to you, you might not find, you know, it to be a great choice for yourself, but 
you know, while the menu isn't vast, like everything is a home run on the menu. It's really consistently good. And I think a lot of people, including myself, used to avoid it. I used to avoid this place for a long time because I assumed it was like a frou-frou restaurant, like a hoity-toity, really like you had to have an advanced palate or be an adventurous eater in order to go. And I really don't think that's the case at all. You know, the, the that might have been more the case, I think, back when 150 Central Park was curated by Michael Schwartz. Michael Schwartz, who's a celebrity chef, came up with the concept and used to work on the menu, and they used to do it like seasonally or twice a year they would update it. Anyway, the Royal Caribbean and Michael Schwartz have severed their relationship, so now Royal Caribbean you know, manages the menu, and it doesn't change at all, but I think what they've come up with is a real winner. And certainly while the restaurant has changed, like I said, the beef tenderloin for two, the cauliflower steak, the halibut, the fried cheesecake, if nothing else, it's all about the fried cheesecake. It is that impressive of a dessert. I think it's the best dessert Royal Caribbean has. I mean, you can make an argument for the the campfire cookie at Playmakers, but I still think because it's fried, it gets an edge. Anyway, the fried cheesecake is really good. And so 150 Central Park, I like the ambiance. I like the menu. This is now a must-do for me. So I've got 150 Central Park on my list. Number two. Definitely, I'm sure this was in my list before, and that is Izumi. I'm not breaking down Izumi Hibachi versus Izumi Sushi. I like them both. They're equally good for different reasons. I am just a major fan of what Izumi is all about. Yeah, I like sushi, but I also like their non-sushi option. I think Hibachi is probably one of the best restaurant choices you can make. Whenever somebody asks me, Matt, I want to do one specialty restaurant on a ship. What should I do? If there's Izumi Hibachi, I will pick that. It is that satisfying. And again, their sushi is great. I think the the whole menu is wonderful. You know, the, the menu has changed a little bit over the years. And, you know, my beloved, I used to recommend the uh, DX sushi combo. That's no longer on the menu. But, you know, you can still get great sushi on there. And I, I just think that over from start to finish, it's a very, very good menu. Obviously, if your ship doesn't have hibachi, then you're more reliant on the sushi menu. There is However, a non-sushi item on the menu, there's a couple different non-sushi items. So you don't have to be a fish eater or a seafood lover to truly enjoy Izumi or love Izumi. But I think you're going to find something that you're really going to like at Izumi. The chicken teriyaki, the beef teriyaki, there's a couple of appetizers, the gyozas. You know, they, they really do a great job with that. So Izumi is going to be on my list. And I think that the fact that I've gone there time after time after time, and it's been that darn good every single time, we're going with that. Number three on my list is something that is definitely new, and that is Giovanni's Italian Kitchen. This is my favorite Italian restaurant on Royal Caribbean. So you've had Giovanni's Table, you've had Jamie's Italian, and those were all good for different reasons. But what Royal Caribbean's done with Giovanni's Italian Kitchen on the Odyssey, on Freedom, and now on Wonder of the Seas, I've really been impressed by. Great menu, wide selections. The pizza alone would probably catapult this above the other choices. But I like that there's a good variety of things there. Yes, it does lack my favorite, which is eggplant parmesan, which you don't find on the Giovanni Italian Kitchen menu. It does it is found on the other menu on the other restaurants' menus, but the other Italian restaurants, that is. I, I still think that it's such a strong menu and such a good reflection of where Royal Caribbean is going in terms of dining these days. You know, Royal Caribbean especially restaurants have changed a lot over the years. And I feel like so what was the restaurant that kicked this off? Because the last couple of restaurant menu updates have really done a good job. You know, Mason Jar, Giovanna Selling Kitchen, the Coco Beach Club restaurant. Um, they've all had this common thread of like this new generation of specialty restaurants. Portside Barbecue, that's another one. I'm not sure exactly which who started it, who kicked it off. And, 
you know, you could make the argument even the complimentary food at Onkoko Key in general was a step in that direction, but it slowly evolved and become really, I think, stepped out. You know, Royal Caribbean for a long time, I think, relied heavily on outside vendors to provide truly different choices. I mean, they always had Chops Grill, right? But they never really developed a lot of in-house dining. Maybe that's why I like the Zumi so much for so long, because it was just different. You know, we, we've we've talked about the amazing uh, Chef Travis here on the podcast and on RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com because he's it's been his vision for that. But, you know, a lot of the other restaurants, you know, were just kind of like, eh, even when Giovanni's table came out, out of the, you know, succeeding Portofino's, it, it just wasn't quite the same level. And I feel like each new specialty restaurant concept that Royal Caribbean's put out there has really stood out as like, wow, okay, this is something different. This is worth paying attention to. And I think that's also part of the industry in general. I think the cruise industry has just seen a lot more focus. I mean, they've, they've, they've really shifted towards specialty dining in general. But now it's like, it's not enough to have a lot of specialty restaurants. You have to have good specialty restaurants. And Giovanni's Italian Kitchen really stands out for that reason. I think the 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 menu is so wide and there's so much variety and I love variety. So I'm going with Giovanni's Italian Kitchen on this one. And, you know, sometimes I feel like pizza, sometimes I feel like a pasta dish. Sometimes I feel like a, you know, a traditional meat dish or something like that. Whatever the case is, I really like the options here. And if I'm in the mood for Italian, which is you're almost guaranteed on any cruise I go on, I'm going to be in the mood for Italian. I would much rather go to Giovanni Italian Kitchen than Jamie's Italian or Giovanni's Table. I think that this is really a winner. And and I think that even if you've done it, been there before, you've got to try Italian Kitchen because it's just, I, I was very impressed by it. Number four on my list is a venerable favorite of mine since my very first Royal Caribbean cruise, and that is the Windjamere. I love a buffet. And again, I was sitting here doing this list and I'm like thinking, man, what restaurants do I want to put on this list? What's a restaurant? And again, my theory was what restaurant will I go to every single cruise? The Windjammer is definitely that. I love the main dining room. Main dining room did not make my list, but I have gone on many cruises in which we've never gone to the main dining room on that particular sailing. I can't say the same for the Windjammer. There might've been like one or two. Actually, I know the ones that we didn't go to the Windjammer for. They were when the cruises first restarted. And the Windjamere was closed for dinner, and maybe we didn't go there at all. But truly, if my kids are with me, we're definitely going to the Windjammer. And I, it, it, it's a very rare occurrence we don't go there. And what I love about the Windjammer is the same kind of the same reason I like the Giovanni's Telling Kitchen variety. I love choice. I love having different choices. And sometimes it's not, this isn't about being gluttonous. This is about having different varieties. You go up there one time and you're like, I'm going to get a bunch of Asian dishes. The next one, you're getting a sandwich and a hot dog. I mean, just because you want to mix it up a little bit. And that's what I like about it. Sometimes you feel like breakfast or sometimes you feel like a sandwich or a sandwich breakfast. Like you have a lot of different options. And I love that variety is the spice of life. And I just love how much choices the Windjamere has. I remember going on my first Royal Caribbean cruise. And when we went from Disney to Royal Caribbean and going to the Windjammer, and realizing, wow, there is a huge amount of variety here, way more than Disney ever had. And more importantly, their attention to international foods really got to me. So I go with the Windjamere. I, again, I just, it's very rare. There's a cruise I don't go up there. And in most cases, it's multiple times. And you might say, well, Matt, that's just a product of, of convenience. You get on board the ship. Where else are you going to go eat? Well, there's a lot of people who go other places, especially these days in this age of the key and dining packages, you know, and going to, you know, especially restaurant for that. I mean, I still, to me, in my heart of hearts, like a cruise doesn't begin until I get in the Windjamere on day one. Like there's just something about it, whether I just go in there and grab something quick, whether I'm having, you know, a full meal in there, I'm spending an hour, whatever the case is, I really, 
really like it. And uh, it's it's got to make my list. It's just it just simply has to. It's that impressive. And the last restaurant on my list is also a newcomer. And if I were to do this list in, you know, another year or two or three, maybe this one might not make it. I'm not sure. But Mason Jar really captured my attention. Mason Jar is the southern restaurant on the Wonder of the Seas only currently. And I remember when, you know, I'm sure there's an ep- if you go back a couple episodes when I was previewing Wonder, I talked about Mason Jar, but I wasn't necessarily sold that this was going to be a great restaurant that I was going to love. But I really, really loved it. And this is the total package. It's not just about the menu. The menu's good. The bar is great. The band is wonderful. And you combine all of them together, it's a brunch. I I really, really came away absolutely loving what the Mason Jar is all about. Again, I didn't really know I needed Southern food in my life, but clearly I did. And the proof was just in the amazing food that was there. There was, whether it was the Nashville hot chicken, whether it was the cinnamon bun, whether it was the PB&J Old Fashioned at the bar, I just found winners on nearly everything I had. The only thing I really didn't like was the pimento cheese. I'm just not a cheese guy. and piment- I know pimento cheese is like the caviar of the South. That's what they say. It wasn't my jam, but that's okay because there were so many, many, many more things that I really, really liked. And it's it's comfort food, and sometimes you just need some comfort food on a cruise. It's not about counting calories. It's about you know just relaxing and, and, and treating yourself and splurging and enjoying that. So I'm going with the mason jar as my last item. Uh, I didn't mention some other restaurants. Probably some of you may be playing wrong at home. It's like, well, Matt, you didn't mention Chops. Uh, yeah, um, I, their menu has just been the same for so long. It doesn't do anything for me anymore. Maybe if they radically updated the menu, I would welcome that. I think it's time for it. But while, you know, I, I think there are better steaks on board. Again, 150 Central Park is where I would go for that. I didn't mention Hooked. I'm not a seafood guy, so that's like, uh, that, that's kind of a caveat to that. If you're a huge lobster or oyster or clam fan, that might be a different scenario for you. Uh, I didn't mention Wonderland. I think Wonderland is nice to do at least once, but again, it was never really a restaurant that I was like, we have to go eat here every single time. And and Sabor didn't make my list either. Sabor is obviously on its way out. We've known this for a while. The pandemic actually saved it. I think that if, if not for COVID-19, I don't think we'd be sitting here in mid early mid 2022 and still have any sabors left but you know that's a discussion for a different day but you know it's it's i i love sabor i'm not going to tell you that it's not one of my favorite restaurants the problem is because it's on its way out because it's an it's a mere formality i kind of decided to leave it off there it's kind of like if anyone i'm gonna put this in baseball terms everyone remembers this is before my time anyway but willie may is one of the greatest baseball players of all time you know he was really well known I had an amazing career, but he was one of those players that kind of hung out a little too long in the end. And his last season or two, he played for the New York Mets. This is not a knock on the Mets, but basically his last couple of years were kind of embarrassing from what Willie Mays used to be, right? Like he was just, he, he could still perform, don't get me wrong, but he wasn't like the same Willie Mays. And I feel like Sabor is kind of like that at this point. Um, I, I made my peace with it. So I will respectfully say while I, Miss Sabor, maybe you should, this should have made another honorable mention. I purposefully left it off the list as a token of my appreciation for what it's done, but also a signal that I'm ready to move on to something else. Unless, of course, they brought it back and wanted to update the menu, then I'd be all for that. But until that occurs, I'm leaving it off the menu. I know, sacrilegious. So hopefully this this week's episode gives you some food for thought. Eh, see what I did there? Uh, to think about. And, uh, you know, this list, obviously, it's always subjective. It's, it's my favorite list. Somebody is going to be completely different than someone else's. 
but I hope I kind of explained why I picked these five. Actually, there were six. It was an honorable mention, but uh, and hopefully the year uh, you would get a chance to try out all these restaurants on a cruise very, very soon. Alrighty, time to answer your listener emails. It's the part of the episode where I answer the emails that you sent in. You can always email me, Matt at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. Matt at RoyalCaribbeanBlog. First email is from Bill and Barrett. It says, hi, Matt. You've reviewed many restaurants on Royal Caribbean shows, but I don't recall a review of the Samba Grill. Had an opportunity to experience Samba Grill on Allure last year, and honestly, it was our new favorite restaurant on any Royal Caribbean ship. Unfortunately, I believe it's only available currently on the Allure and possibly the Radiance, and then only limited evenings per sailing. Uh, I believe it's in a trial phase by Royal Caribbean News as its popularity. A review by you may assist in expanding it to more ships. It's an amazing experience. My wife and I would reserve it on any ship if it, become, when it, if it becomes available. I would actually reserve a cruise on Allure just to dine there again. Hope you have a chance to check it out on your next Allure cruise. Bill and Bear, thank you for the email. Actually, uh, it's it's kind of this concept, this dining concept. Samba Grill is not in a trial phase. It's in this, honestly, it's in this limbo, almost uh, about to go away phase. Um, I would characterize Samba Grill in the same category as I would Sabor, in that it is not long for this world, and that when a Royal Caribbean has a chance, it will replace it with another concept. You know, Royal Caribbean, I think, from time to time, tries new concepts out. We've seen that with Portside Barbecue, Mason Bar, uh, Mason Jar. There's a bar there, too, but Mason Jar. Uh, and, and a few others, uh, the Giovanni Italian Kitchen, right? They like to try new concepts. For whatever reason, maybe they stick, maybe they don't. Um, I've never actually dined at the Samba Grill. I had a chance to do that most recently when I was on the Alert Test Cruise. It was a two-night cruise, and I actually opted not to go there specifically because it was only two nights, and I had to choose between that and other restaurants. And I chose other restaurants because I don't think Samba Grill is going to be a, a, around much longer. They're certainly not going to add it to more ships, in my opinion. So I purposely didn't go to it because I don't think that in the grand scheme of things, it's got as much interest as other restaurants that are out there. But I would love to try it. I'll just say that I've been there. It's more like a notch on my belt kind of thing. If you have no idea, Samba Grill, by the way, I should have mentioned this earlier, is a Brazilian steakhouse where they just bring you meat after meat on a, on a, uh, it's not on a stick, but it's on a metal stick, <laughs> a, a pole. And they just bring you, it's unlimited meats and uh, it's supposed to, I've heard good things about it. Just haven't had a chance to dine there yet. But like I said, I, I just don't think it's going to be sticking around. Um, so if I were you, I'd book another cruise on Alert sooner than later so you can get a chance at it. Because whenever Alert does get its amplification, of course, it was delayed in 2020. I suspect that'll be gone. Uh, next question is from Shaw going on Symphony in August. I'm debating on the limited drink package or the refreshing package. I do drink alcohol and plan to on the ship, but I don't drink a lot. What package do you think is best for me? Well, it really depends how much you drink. If, you don't, if you're only going to drink one to maybe three drinks a day, a drink package isn't worth it. You're going to be, do better off financially. Just simply pay for the drinks as you go. I think a lot of people just assume they need to get a drink package. In fact, oftentimes we'll see uh, comments from somebody on Facebook or on our message boards at realcreamblog.com in which they say, oh, you know, it's my first Royal Caribbean cruise. Which drink package should I get? Don't assume you need to get one. If you're not drinking four to six drinks a day every day of your cruise, it's just not worth it. Financially, that is. Uh, it is really convenient to do that. So I would say it's really a question of what are you looking to, how much are you looking to, to, to drink? And if it's, if you think four, my, again, you're on vacation, it's not the same as being at home, but if you think, you know, four or more is probably in your future every day, then yeah, the deluxe beverage package is a good idea. Uh, the refreshment package, which is the non-alcoholic package is really all about, well, non-alcoholic drinks. So coffees, mocktails, uh, sodas, right? Things of that nature. So if you drink a lot of those, then it, that could be worthwhile. Ultimately, uh, whichever drink package really kind of boils down to your particular cruise style. So I don't want to make it seem like you need to get one. But really, if you're deciding between the two, say, man, I'm definitely getting one. Which one should I get? 
then I'm going to tell you it's going to ultimately depend on which one you, how much alcohol you drink, quite frankly. Next is an email from Bobby Gonzalez. Matt, first, let me say how much I've enjoyed your YouTube channel, and I've also just started recently listening to your podcast, and both are very entertaining and informative. I've been a longtime cruiser with another line, begins with car and ends with nibble. <laughs> I never thought about Royal Caribbean, but the last time I cruised, I felt that I had an overall bad experience, and when I contacted customer service with that line, I was basically told, oh, well, it happens. Since then, I've not cruised. The luster has been rubbed off. Recently, I was invited to take an Alaska cruise on a Royal Caribbean with my wife's family, so I decided to give a Royal Caribbean a chance. The original cruise was canceled, but because I worked myself up for this opportunity, my wife and I decided to still give it a go by ourselves, and we set sail on Quantum of the Seas very, very soon. I'll let you know that your videos, which I started watching when we were scheduled to originally go, have gone a long way in convincing me to take this cruise, so thank you. My question is this. If I let Royal Caribbean know this is my first time cruising with them, and then I'm trying to decide whether or not to make it my cruise line instead of the other, do you think there would be anything they might do to convince me? We have a guaranteed balcony. We have already booked specialty dining package, drink package, and excursions, but I'm concerned the balcony we get might not have a great view. Do you think, or have you ever heard of them making accommodations to please first-timers? I, if you've heard of anything that might convince someone to become a future loyal cruiser, I'd love to hear about it. Again, thank you for the videos and podcasts. They really do help me. They really do have me pumped about being on my first ever Royal Caribbean cruise. Have a great day. Uh, Bobby, thanks for the email. So the, it's an interesting question. I don't think I've ever gotten this one before. And the, sh the simple answer, the short answer is no. Royal Caribbean does not do anything specifically to cater to first-time cruisers or try to, you know, wow you on, off the bat more so than anybody else on board the ship. There is no hey, it's your first Royal Caribbean cruise and we're going to do something different for you? No, they really don't do that. And I actually think that's better. I think everyone should have an equal opportunity at an amazing cruise. And I think, quite frankly, in my opinion, most people do have an amazing time, uh, uh, whether it's their first cruise or their 50th cruise. But I do believe that, um, you know, you can still have a good time without somebody doing something special because it's your first cruise on a Royal Caribbean. Certainly, you could let, you know, the dining room staff know and maybe you'll get a cupcake or I don't know what, but you know, you know, things like that. But truly I think it's better to do it that way to more of an egalitarian style. Um, it, it's, it's kind of, um, I, I, I understand where you're coming from, but to me, it's like a bank that's like, Hey, if you open up an account here, we're gonna give you, you know, hundred bucks. Okay, cool. So you open the bank, the account there. And then your next time you go there, you're not getting anything. Never mind the person who's been at that bank for years and years and years. They don't get anything. Maybe they got something back when they started. Maybe they didn't. Who knows? But it, it just seems like it, it it doesn't seem like a very good long-term strategy. The, old, the best long-term strategy for any line, and I think you'd probably agree with this since you used to cruise with a certain other line, is to consistently keep it good and keep you wanting to come back again and again and again. And whether it's your first cruise or you're, you know, you've been on there many, many times, I feel like that should be the incentive for that. So it's an interesting idea, but the short answer to your question is no, they don't do anything specifically for first-time cruisers. But I'm glad that you're finding a lot of the content here really helpful, and I hope that arms you with enough information to avoid any first-time pitfalls. You can have a great time. Next, we have an email from Connor. Love your blog and podcast. You're a go-to anytime we have a cruise booked. We're going on Symphony of the Season or staying in a suite for the first time. We've always gotten to the Terminal ASAP type of people. And I was surprised by what you said about not being led in the terminal until 15 or so minutes before your check-in time. Do you think that they were strictly enforcing that with Sweet Guest 2? Our time is 1230, but we're planning to arrive there at 11 until we listen to episode 420 of the podcast. Any thoughts would be appreciated. Yeah, so Connor, you should get an email from the Sweet Concierge about a week or so before your cruise, letting you know if you can arrive earlier. Usually they say, oh, for Sweet Guest, they give you like a flexible arrival time or something to that effect. And basically that flexible arrival time allows you to go, you know, plus or minus one hour or whatever time you have. You still need to do an online check-in. You still need to check in time and you already have that. So it sounds like if the, if the sweet email concierge emails you and tells you so, 
you might be able to get in about 1130 or so, but it is important to adhere to the check-in times because again, it just, it makes everything go faster. I mean, I think ultimately if you got there earlier, maybe you'd be let in, who knows, but you might be standing around sitting around and waiting more. The nice thing about the new check-in procedure, while I enjoyed getting to the cruise terminal super early pre-pandemic and it was kind of a game of roulette as to whether or not we'd get in really early or have to wait a while. I do like that, in, at least in its current form, whenever we've gotten to the cruise terminal here and since cruises restarted in 2021, we've really just gone through the whole, we've rarely had to wait much time, if any, in the cruise terminal. Usually, it's just a matter of getting through, you know, the security line and the check-in and doing all that. And then usually, we, we don't stop moving kind of thing. It's not like, oh, go sit here for a while. Like, that experience uh, I haven't really I haven't really had except for back-to-back -back cruises in, in some scenarios but um, it's kind of nice so it's uh, you know it's like the uh, it's like the, we, used, we used to have this debate with some of my old co-workers one of my old jobs like is it better to to drive an hour and sit in traffic for an hour but have the most direct route possible or take a really like back roads way still take the same amount of time but be moving the whole time Depends on your perspective, I suppose. There's a lot of people who are yelling at their at their at their uh, cars right now, like, "Oh, of course, the answer is uh, whatever." I was always, for the record, I was the guy who say it's better to sit in traffic. You never know. But um, <laughs> anyway, my point of all this is uh, the check-in times do matter. But wait for the email from the concierge; they'll let you know what to expect. Next, we have an email from Angela Baker. Hi, Matt. Thanks for all your YouTube videos and podcasts. I find all your stuff informative. My husband and I go on our first welcome cruise out of Vancouver. Uh, to Hawaii on a nine-night cruise. We're Canadians from Vancouver Island. From what I understand, all we need to do is take a PCR test before embarking on our cruise, our vacation records, our vaccination records, and passports. We don't have to do anything with the Arrive Can app stuff, I believe, only when we come back from Hawaii. I'm hoping all goes well with cruising out of Canada again. I've been waiting to hear more of, uh, of cruises going out of Vancouver. So, Angela, I'm purposely not going to answer this email, not because I don't want to help you out here. I'm going to direct you where you should get your, your, your answer from, and that is to go to Royal Company's website and get the most up-to-date protocols. And the reason why I'm not giving you even the answer as we're recording is because it could have changed already by the time you listen or somebody else listens later on. So it's just, I, I this is like a teach a man to fish kind of situation more than anything, which you can make the argument I should do this about every single answer. But because the protocols are so fluid and they do change fairly often, I just don't want to mislead you. So what you can do, Angela, to get an answer to your question is go to Royal Caribbean's website. And on the very top of the page, if you go to royalcaribbean.com, very top, you'll see a link for the health protocols. Click on that. And then you can go see the specific protocols depending on which ship you're which port you're selling out of, excuse me. And there are specific protocols for cruises out of Vancouver uh, for you. The good news is it's pretty straightforward. I don't think anything you're, you're uh, the only thing you mentioned here was the PCR test, which in, I think, I don't know if there's any port that requires a, uh, a, a PCR test specifically for vaccinated people, you have a choice of PCR or antigen. And if that is the case for you, Angela, get the antigen test. It's a lot faster and easier. So I would recommend that. Our next email is from Ray. So we're going on a waste of the seas. My question is, did I hear that Johnny Rockets is complimentary on the first day for lunch? I know it's open for breakfast each day and complimentary, but I thought I heard I get a complimentary lunch on the first day of the sailing. Please let me know. Unfortunately, you heard wrong there, Ray. Thanks for the email though. Uh, it actually on the embarkation day, Johnny Rockets could be open, but it does cost money. The only time Johnny Rockets is ever complimentary is for breakfast on Oasis class ships only. So in your situation, you're on an Oasis class ship, but it's not open for, it's not complimentary for lunch if it's open on the first day. So um, sorry to be the bearer of bad news, but that is the case. And our last email today comes to us from Brett. Hi, Matt. I'm a longtime rail cruiser and frequent listener of your blog. And our last email is from Dan and Jennifer. Hello, Matt. We're big fans of your podcast and videos. Thanks for all your content. We're selling on Harmony of the Seas in June. 
and have booked dinner at Sabor based on a good bit on your love of the place. Since you're the expert, we want to know what would you order when you eat there? Thanks. Uh, boy, I mean, I love all the food there. I would say, number one, you have to get the guacamole. You have to get, if you, I would say definitely it's worth getting a drink, uh, the margaritas the, especially. Um, if you have a drink package, well, this is easy. If you don't have a drink package, I think it's actually worth spending money for. I, I think they really stand out. The Sabor Grand, I like the, my personal favorite margarita is probably the avocado margarita. It's a little polarizing because there are little pieces of avocado in the drink, which some people don't mind, some people do mind. I think it's good. I like it. Uh, but, you know, to each their own. And the guacamole is really good. The chocolate banana chimichangas on the dessert menu is really good. And then it's really, I think, more a question of what do you prefer with for your entrees? You know, I'm a big fan of the, I like the, the tacos. Uh, they used to be the tuna tacos. They've got rid of that. It's now, I believe, cohiba or some other fish. And that's really good. I was, I'm a big sucker for, for fish tacos. I think they're amazing. And my other advice is whatever you get, you get, the, you get a burrito, you get a taco, it doesn't matter. Save the guacamole, save the salsa you get with the appetizers, and then spread that over whatever else you order. Just lap it on there. It's so good. It makes everything even better. So enjoy. I'm, I'm very jealous. I love me some Sabor. And on that note, we're going to wrap up this episode. If you want to send me your email, you can always do so by saying to Matt, M-A-T-T, at royalcreamblog.com. Matt at royalcreamblog.com. So until next time, I'm Matt, and we'll talk again real soon.